It's time to get inside the Giants huddle. Let's go, back to your huddle. On Giants.com. Tempo, tempo, tempo. And the Giants mobile app. Go, 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 Part go. Part of the Giants podcast network. Yeah. Welcome to our special game preview Giants huddle podcast. John Schmelk with you. Here's your ultimate preview of Giants and Rams coming your way on Sunday. Don't forget the Giants Little Podcast is on the Giants app at Giants.com slash podcast and on your favorite podcast platforms. And this channel also features the All in NYG podcast, which is a 10-year celebration of Super Bowl 46. All right, so we got three guests coming your way today. We got J.B. Long, who's the play-by-play man for the Rams. He talks to Paul Dottino and Lance Meadow. Head coach Joe Judge joins us as well. Bob Papa will talk to him. And I'm going to talk to Giants linebacker and edge rusher Lorenzo Carter. That comes your way first. Lorenzo talked about himself, Andrew Thomas, the defense, and a bunch of other subjects with me previewing the game. Zoe, how's it going, man? Good to be with you. It's good. Can't complain. All right, so man. All right, let's talk about it here. You watched the film of the defense last week against Dallas. Yeah. What was your major takeaway coming off of that in terms of what you guys need to do to improve and, and do things a little bit better? Yeah, I think we just got to focus on the details, keep keep paying attention to the details, and then just do what we know we can do. We got the guys all over the field in different positions. We just got to go out there and, as players, make those big plays and game-changing plays that we need. Oh, is it? mental situations where you guys aren't where you're supposed to be or are you guys where you're supposed to be but you're just not taking advantage of those opportunities physically and making the plays yeah I think it's not too many times where guys are just completely out of position um it may be out of a position by half of a gap and it's that yep. type of stuff that we got to fix and we've been doing doing a good job this week just making sure we pay attention to those type details where if there are any questions, everybody's just been asking and communicating, just making sure we're all on the same page so we can just play fast and be correct. Yeah, I don't want to try to simplify it too much, but how much of it is just, you know, one or two guys each week going out there and making a big potential game-changing play when they have the opportunity? Because, as you know, those plays don't present themselves very often, and when they're there, if you yeah. don't take advantage, you're kind of putting yourself behind the eight ball, right? Yeah, that's a fact. Uh, in this league, it's not too many times that you get opportunities or that the other team does something that you can take advantage of. But when it happens, you got, like you said, you got to take advantage of it. And that's what we've been saying. Like, we don't have to press. The guys in the locker room, we're talking, we're comfortable. We don't have to go out and try to make plays bigger than ourselves. Just do what we do. And when the plays come, you got to make them. How about you personally, when you watch yourself on tape? What's your reaction so far this year uh, through the first five games? It's been all right. Um, just trying to get back out there, play ball, play solid football with my teammates as a whole unit. And then, of course, we wish we could get more sacks. So it's just, <laughs> it's just, yeah, we got to apply the pressure, but we got to do it within the defense at the same time. We don't want to become selfish players, start running upfield, and then create gaps where it's that one-off where everybody's doing the right thing. But – somebody's trying to press and make a play and press and do something that's outside their job. So I think it's been pretty good. Of course, we can make more plays, but that'll come. You mentioned sacks. You know, sacks in a lot of ways are dependent on what the other team's doing, right? If the quarterback <laughs> gets rid of the ball in a second and a half, what yeah. are you going to do? Yeah. So what all the men's are getting pressure at the right time on their right play call? Yeah. You know, your pressure rates are almost identical to what they were last year, but the sack rate is way down. So is yeah. there something you are seeing that you guys can do differently to try to get home more, get there quicker, something? Or are you guys just getting caught in situations where you're playing a bunch of good quarterbacks mm-hmm. and they're just getting the ball out too quick for you guys to affect them? Yeah, of course there are times where we're playing and it's like quarterbacks holding the ball for a second and a half and letting it go. But 
that's when you just got to stay patient and trust the process, keep rushing hard because they're, yeah, they'll let it go in one, one and a half seconds, but that one time that the coverage is lined up with the rush is what we need. And we just got to be consistent and just play together. Like the front end has to be on the same page as the back end and vice versa. So once we, when we do that, good things happen pretty much. But that's what we just got to keep doing. And I know one guy that's a big part of getting all that in sync was Blake Martinez. What has it been like the last couple of games being out there without Blake since he suffered his injury? Yeah, man, it sucks. I mean, Blake sucks injuries. Like, injuries suck, but it's a part of the game. Uh, I've been praying for Blake. He's doing a good job, and he's, I'm sure he's attacking his recovery uh, <laughs> the same way he attacks the field. But, um, yeah, it hasn't been too bad. Tay's done a good job coming in, um, stepping up taking that role as the communicator as the quarterback of the defense and I think that's just going to keep growing no question about it all right let's talk a little bit about the Rams here because I think for someone like you what the Rams do is challenging right so much of what they do comes off of that outside zone run which comes right in your direction right in Aziz's direction right in O'Shane's uh x-man's direction so what do you guys need to do on the edge to try to control that outside zone and also still be prepared for the boots and the play action they run off of that because everything looks the same with the way they do things. Yeah, everything looks the same, and they, they're pretty good. They got good quarterback, and people always think about them as airing the ball out, but they're a running team. They run the ball first, so it starts with that. We just got to set the edges, have guys flying to the ball, and then off of that, you can transition to the pass game and let the guys on the back end do what they got to do, but it starts with setting the edge and stopping that run. Are there clues, and I'm not asking you to give them to me because obviously, you know, <laughs> we're not going to put that on the air, but is there something that you can see with the way they run their formation, how the offensive line moves that can help you differentiate between the outside zone and then the play action boot they run off of that? Yeah, I think they do such a good job with that because they make it, try to make it all look the same. Um, they, it's not too complicated, but when things look the same and they're doing all the same movements <laughs> and just changing what they do if they hand the ball off or they pull it and throw it um they do a good job with that but like it just comes from film study you just got to be prepared to play whatever happens you know you mentioned the run game and they will run it you know the last couple weeks you guys have struggled to stop the run you talked about maybe being a half a gap off and stuff like that how much of it is that but then also just tackling getting guys to the ground i know that's been a problem the last couple of weeks when you diagnose the the issues in the run defense Mm -hmm. what are you seeing uh, I think it's just, like you said, we got to be perfect. We can't be out of those half gaps. We can't be misaligned. And tackling, of course, tackling is very important. Can't let guys fall forward and just get those extra yards after first contact. So, yeah, we've been focused on that, making sure we get good rap and drive our feet as well as just running to the ball. Everybody got to be there. It can't just be one guy trying to make a tackle. It needs to be a whole lot of blue helmets. I know you guys stress getting takeaways, right? And a lot of times you guys are going to strip the football. How do you balance between trying to get the ball out, trying to get the strip, but at the same time trying to get the ball down? Yeah, you got to keep the main thing the main thing and just get the tackle. Um, Yeah, we had a few plays where we were going for the ball last week and weeks before, but like we got to make the tackle first and then getting the ball off is extra. And that's something that we love to do, but you got to make that tackle first. Absolutely. Matthew Stafford, you mentioned the run game. What makes Stafford special when you watch him on tape? I think he's just a smart guy. He's been in this league a long time. Um, He's a high IQ quarterback, has a pretty good arm. And, I mean, he's out there. They trust him. They give him the keys to the offense, let him do what he does. And, I mean, we just got to go out there and play, make it hard on him, make it as hard on him as possible as we can.
How are you feeling physically? Are you good? I think we're all very impressed at how quickly you came back from an injury last year. Has it has it continued? Have you been just you know smooth sailing, full speed ahead? Yeah, it's been pretty smooth. Uh, I'm grateful for the training staff. They've done a great job in my rehab. Um, done a great job making sure I stay on top of that stuff. But I feel good, man. I'm just happy to be out here playing football again and just out here with my teammates. I want to ask you about a couple of your teammates before we say goodbye. Uh, Andrew Thomas, a guy you go up against in practice every day. I think we've all been very impressed with the quality of his play so far in the regular season. We know he's dealing with a foot injury, and we'll see about his availability. But what have you seen in terms of from Andrew in terms of improvement on the field going up against him in practice throughout the summer and, and of course, in the fall? Yeah, Andrew's been a problem since he came to Georgia as a freshman. <laughs> uh, but, I mean, I think he's just continued to show growth, and that's all you can ask for with a guy like that. Um, he's got all the skills, the athletic, um, can stop whoever he lines up in front of. It's just continued growth, understanding the system, understanding how to block as a unit with this whole line. But I think he's doing a great job. Can't ask for too much more. How about Aziz? Aziz, he's done good. He's come in as a rookie and made impact plays, and that's what we need. We need guys to make impact plays. Um, he's done a great job learning from everybody and bringing in what knowledge he has, and we're just trying to keep growing. And your man Tay. From Georgia as well. He's, he's taken over from Blake in a lot of ways. How has he slid into that role in the middle? He's done good. Uh, Tay coming in, it's crazy because people forget that he was a rookie last year yeah. coming through that, dealing with a crazy COVID season, um, everything. Circumstances weren't great, but he came in last year and did his thing. And this year, he's, injuries have forced him to step into a larger role. So he's done a good job preparing. He's in here watching film all the time, in here talking to coaches, talking to the players, making sure we're ready. And, I mean, I love that from Tay. I love seeing it. And you guys have added another guy to your Georgia group here. Do you guys have, like, Georgia meetings over the course of the day or anything like that? Because you have so many Georgia guys on this team. What is that like? Is that fun? It's great because, uh, I mean, we know what work is. <laughs> At Georgia, they teach, they, we work hard there, and we work hard here. So having those Georgia guys just lets us know we're doing something right. What has it been like seeing Isaiah Wilson here? It's working been great. With him. That man is huge. He's a huge Big human fella, being. Big fella, right? Huge human being, but – He's been over here doing his thing, working with the team, making sure he does everything he can to be ready and get better. Zo, good stuff, my friend. Best of luck on Sunday. We appreciate the time. Appreciate it. That's Giants linebacker Lorenzo Carter. Don't miss out on the return of Giants football. The season might be underway, but there's still time to secure your season tickets and root on the Giants at MetLife Stadium. Speak with the Giants ticket representative now and become a season ticket member by calling 888-NYG-1925. Up next, Paul Dettino and Lance Meadow talk to Rams play-by-play man J.B. Long. Following a two-game road trip, the Giants return home for two straight games. And up first is the Los Angeles Rams in Week 6, who are off to a 4-1 and start. To get more into this week's opponent, we are now joined by the radio play-by-play announcer for the Rams, J.B. Long. J.B., you got Lance Meadow and Paul Dettino here. Appreciate the time today. How's everything on your end? Hi, Lance and Paul. Thanks for the invitation. Uh, doing well. The Rams coming off a little mini-buy. The benefit of winning on Thursday night football is the, uh, the extra days, the extra weekend is uh, one that you can enjoy and one that you can use to your benefit, I think, in preparation. Absolutely, and the Rams are off to a very strong start, as you hit on. I want to start on the offensive side of the ball, JB, because when you look at Matt Stafford's numbers, he's off to the best start of his career when you consider completion percentage, passing yards, as well as passer rating. We know he has an overwhelming amount of talent around him, similar to what Jared Goff was working with, but I'm curious, how much of the offensive line play would you attribute to why Stafford has gotten off to such a strong start? Well, especially when you contrast it to what the Giants have been dealing with um, at guard and at tackle and elsewhere along their offensive line. It, it certainly 
jumps into to sharp relief. And the Rams have been able to start the same five throughout. I think they've all individually played pretty well and collectively have been excellent pass and run. Um, I think Stafford, with his depth of experience, is doing a nice job protecting himself pre- and post-snap. And really, just to round out the picture, I think the Rams are the quintessential example of what it means to protect with all 11 right now. Uh, their running backs, Daryl Henderson and Sony Michelle, have been buttoned up in, in blitz pickup. Uh, they've done a lot of chipping and playing out of it on the edge. And the receivers are winning. And when you win early in a down and consistently across the field, Stafford doesn't ha- have to hang on to the football very very long. You pair that all with McVay's design, which I think is among the best in the league. And yeah, Stafford is enjoying career best numbers so far because he's been pressured and hit and sacked at a career low rate. I find it pretty amazing that when you look at Cup and Woods, and obviously we know about Jefferson being a deep threat, uh, they have melted right in with Stafford after all those years that he was in Detroit. He seems to have come in and hit it off rather quickly. Does that surprise you much at all? So here's a kind of a funny way of answering that question. And for all the accolades we just kind of poured on Matthew Stafford's plate there, the, the one metric, the one rating system where he's not performing favorably is pro football focus. And I'm not sure how much you guys use that as, as a metric, as a tool. but Not uh, much. Not much for me. <laughs> yeah, an interesting perspective in that, you know, they think that Daniel Jones has been clearly better, has outperformed Matthew Stafford. And so I kind of dug into a little bit of why that is. And it's really nothing against Stafford's performance though he has left some opportunities on the table with underthrows and even a turnover in the red zone against the Seahawks last week but what it is is he hasn't made many of what they call big time throws translated it hasn't been that hard for him yet he hasn't had to be sensational but he also hasn't made many turnover worthy plays so I think that's just a reflection of look it is all working together McVeigh is helping him the are connected with him in a way that you know we were all focused on how Stafford is going to make the Rams better, get them back to their scoring levels early in the Jared Goff-Sean McVay partnership, and it's been more symbiotic than I think we gave it credit for. Gee, Lance, I feel bad for Stafford, right? So he's not been spectacular, but the Rams are 4-1. and one. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, thoughts and prayers with all of them involved with respect to that. Well, the one number that jumps off the page to me, JB, and you mentioned pro football focus, They've got 22 plays of 20-plus yards, which is fourth most of the NFL. It seems as if, even though maybe Stafford hasn't had to shoulder the load, they are airing it out a little bit more than they did in comparison of last season. And, of course, they added Deshaun Jackson. He had the long touchdown reception against the Bucks. He had the big 68-yard catch against Seattle, which set up another score. Clearly, he's not playing as many snaps as the other wide receivers, but what would you say he's added to this offense that maybe they had been lacking with Jared Goff at the controls over the last few seasons? A reputation for exactly what you're talking about, like the most 60-plus yard touchdowns in league history and that vertical threat at 34 years of age. uh, They still thought he had plenty of juice. He put it on display in camp, and I think the results on the field, especially in a limited role, have been telling. And all the supply channels to Cooper Cup and and Robert Woods underneath uh, those deep overs, the the deep digs they like to run, it's it's all kind of come back in full force. The throwing windows have been have been really pristine, and I think there's more to come. I, I really do. For all the efficiency and production, it hasn't translated into top point totals, at least not yet. They played a pretty challenging schedule, some great defenses, Seattle not being one of them. Um, but I wouldn't be surprised to see not just the distribution of targets, but even the snap counts 
uh, get even broader because they drafted Tutu Atwell out of uh, Louisville with the 57th overall selection. He's not yet had a taste. They've got some other options, including a tight end, Jacob Harris, they like. So over the course of you know attrition, injury, week by week, I, I think there's more to put on display for this Rams offense. It feels like they're fine-tuning. Again, not to kind of put it in any Giants fan faces, given what you guys just said about thoughts and prayers with Matthew Stafford. <laughs> Let me ask you this, JB. When I look at the rushing attack of the Rams from afar, you know, their numbers don't look very impressive as a team. But then you delve in a little deeper. And you look at Daryl Henderson, and you see almost five yards of carry and three rushing touchdowns, and you say to yourself, okay, those look pretty good. So how is it that they're using their running game? So I think with McVay's offense, he would have us redefine balance in terms of it's not you know, a run-handoff balance with their passing attack. But if you were to take all of the perimeter screens they throw to receivers in the quick game, the way they use their tight ends, uh, and tight end screens, their screen game with running backs even, they would they would say put all of those in the category of balance, put those in our run column and tell us how we're looking in terms of forcing the defense to defend every blade of grass horizontally and vertically. Um, if there is an area where I think they can deploy their running game more to their advantage, it is when the field gets short. I think they did some of that in Seattle, uh, just using their physicality to punch in a few touchdowns after Stafford threw an early interception in the end zone. Uh, but Henderson, I think, has done really well. Sony Michelle has been a nice physical complement to him as someone who finishes runs through contact and can keep the chains moving in, in end-of-game situations when you're trying to salt something away. Um, but again, it, it all goes back to, I think, being able to threaten a defense vertically, make sure, making sure those running backs have lighter box counts, and then letting that offensive line do what they've done so well uh, over the years with Sean McVay. We're talking with J.B. Long, Rams radio play-by-play announcer, as the Rams will visit the Giants in Week 6. J.B., I want to switch over to the defensive side of the ball, and while we definitely want to get to Aaron Donald, I actually think right now the bigger focus is on the secondary because the biggest news this week was they put corner Darius Williams on IR with an ankle injury, so he's going to miss at least the next three games. He actually had the game-sealing interception against the Giants in last year's meeting how does this change the dynamics of what they're able to do in the secondary, and how exactly do they go about replacing him considering his role within the back end of the defense? No, it's a good question because I think uh, Darius is probably still one of the most underrated corners in the league despite what he did uh, for this team last year, so much so that the organization put a first-round tender on him this offseason to make sure he stayed in Horns. Um, the good news is it's a short-term injury should only be the minimum, you know, the maximum three weeks on injured reserve uh, before he comes back. But their answer so far this week has been it's going to take more than one player. And it's interesting that the injury comes at a moment where they had just a week ago made a change at another corner position, um, inserting Robert Rochelle, who was a fourth-round selection from Central Arkansas. So he played small school, small conference football and, and got a taste, but that was his first start in Seattle and they sat down David Long Jr. Now, David Long Jr. could come back into a starting role. They could also promote someone from the practice squad, like a Dante Dion, who got his start there in New York with the Giants. Sure, uh, They could use uh, a defensive back and, and more of a safety, but a hybrid defensive back like Terrell Burgess, who they picked up in the third round last year and, and fractured an ankle in October. So he's kind of just a year now out from that injury, and he has not yet found a role on this defense. Maybe this is his chance. 
but what Jalen Ramsey gives you is the flexibility to mix and match personnel based on opponent and down and distance because he can be what they call their star, their nickel, their outside linebacker, a blitzing uh, back off the edge, or he can go outside and play on the edge and say, hey, don't worry about this half of the field. Roll your coverage to whoever needs help opposite him. I'm looking at their third down conversion rate, JB, 30th in the league at over 48% defensively. I can't imagine they're happy with that. And they've got the two pass rushers in Donald and Floyd. Is it that there's been a lot of short yardage to go? Is that why that number is so high? Yeah, I I think you hit on it. Uh, Opposing offenses are moving the chains early on down and then also when they get to third down. Um, And it's been a sore spot for the fan base coming off a year in which they had the most dominating defense in the league and lost Brandon Staley across town to the Chargers. Raheem Morris is, I still think, getting his fingerprints on this defense. The one thing they have done well, especially in their wins, is takeaways but they've missed more tackles than I've expected um, and they haven't been as imposing on defense you know there was some regression to be anticipated but maybe not to this extent that being said I thought the Thursday night win at Seattle was their tightest coming off their worst of the year five days prior against the Arizona Cardinals who are still undefeated and maybe the best offense in the NFC Yeah, I'm with you, especially in terms of what they did in the second half to really quiet that team and also trigger their offense. The other noticeable change, JB, and I'm curious your perspective. You mentioned, obviously, the change of defensive coordinator. They lost two guys in the secondary in free agency, specifically John Johnson III and Troy Hill, who both went to Cleveland. And, you know, as we mentioned, the statistics are not necessarily as impressive as they were last season. How have they made up for those two losses? Or, in your opinion, do you think they're still missing those two key guys. Well, especially in a moment like this where Troy Hill did such a nice job um, being able to play in, in kind of two-way situations, play that slot role, but also hold his own out on the perimeter and allowing Jalen Ramsey to play in the sub-packages inside. That, you know, that optionality, I think, is one that they're still lacking at this point. Um, you know, it's funny because you mentioned those two guys who went to Cleveland, and I was reading um, some Browns commentary and I guess the fan base is not exactly thrilled with their performance so far um, in their new roles in that defense. And part of me is like, hey, send them on back this way. You know, it, it may mess with the comp formula, but we would gladly have Troy Hill and John Johnson back. They were, they were wonderful for this defense. But I think the larger point is the Rams faced some really big challenges uh, on defense. Maybe not like the opener against the Bears and Andy Dalton, but you know, certainly the likes of Tampa Bay and Arizona back-to-back, and maybe that's skewing a little bit of their early season results. And the point is not necessarily to have the best defense in September, October, but to build toward the point where you have a healthier Aaron Donald and a fully competitive Jalen Ramsey so that you can make a run at this thing late. And I think that's still available to them given the personnel they have. I'm told that during the course of the early part of the season, Donald has moved around more than he ever has in his career. I'm going to rely on you to tell me if that's in fact true. And if so, what is the primary reason for it? Is it to draw the double teams? Is it to get a better matchup for him? Or is it just to give people different looks? Yeah, Paul and Lance, I think it'll be fun for you guys to watch when the Rams break their defensive huddle, let's just say. If they're in a three-down front, watch the two other defensive linemen kind of get in position and Aaron Donald hang back almost like a middle linebacker until he sees the personnel and the alignment of the offense. And then he'll go pick out his matchup based on his film study and his week of preparation. And the other two will adjust around him. It's, it's really unique. I mean, 
he is a true defensive tackle on all these records he's breaking, I think, deserve to be mentioned in the context that he's not an edge rusher. But that's not to say that he can't get out there in a wide nine and pick on either tackle uh, on a given rep uh, week to week. So he's more of a rover in that he kind of makes that call at the line? Yes. And, and I think that's what's so impressive about the likes of Sebastian Joseph Day, who's from that part of the country, and this is a homecoming game for him, a Rutgers product, is he's having a career season while learning and adjusting to Aaron Donald's preferences. And, you know, Aaron's playing a pretty high snap count, so he's almost always out there on meaningful downs. But he's not deciding where he's going to attack the opposing offense until pretty late in the play clock. As far as the makeup of the defense, we were talking about Jalen Ramsey earlier, JB, and it seems as if they're also lining him up a bit in the slot this year. The Giants are expected to get Sterling Shepard and Darius Slayton back, who missed the last few games with a hamstring injury. I'm just curious from how they've aligned Ramsey in the early stages of the season, how do you think they'll go about attacking the Giants' wide receiver core? Do you see him maybe following Kadarius Toney, considering how productive he's been over the last two games? Are they going to move him around? Are they going to keep him on one side? What would be your best guess in terms of that? Yeah, so that would be more like the plan, say, against the Arizona Cardinals, where he travels with Nuke. Like, wherever D. Hopkins goes, that's usually where Jalen Ramsey follows. Uh, D.K. Metcalf and the Seahawks, similarly within the division. Other opponents, and some of these opponents have been ones that maybe don't threaten you as much through the air. The Rams have opted to get him closer to the, to the action, closer to the line of scrimmage, because he tackles like an outside linebacker, like a safety. It, it's been, I think, more impressive to see him play run then pass, and he gets more of those opportunities, it seems, week to week. But here, here's a game where I think using the, the travel with, cool off, the, the hottest target might make sense, whether it's Jones or Glennon. Like, can you force Jason Garrett and the Giants to beat you with you know, something other than their preferred option or what their best option coming off last week at Dallas? I think that makes a lot of sense. Of course, I'm not privy to the game plan. Um, but the good news is for Ramsey and Raheem Morris, they can pivot, you know, whether or not it's their plan when they land and at the Meadowlands, it's something that they can adjust to on a snap's notice. One of the things that Joe Judge likes to do with the Giants, JB, is to win special teams every single weekend if he can. I mean, there are three units, obviously, that take the field, and he feels if he can at least win that one, that's a leg up the rest of the way. But that's kind of hard to do when Hecker is your punter uh, out there with the Rams. <laughs> So how much do the Rams play the field position game? Is that a very important component for them these days, or do they just believe that their offense can control the tempo of the game whenever they want? Oh, I love that question. We could do a whole show on this because there's so many components to it, Uh, among them the fact that Sean McVay historically, and again this year, is one of the most conservative head coaches in the league when it comes to fourth downs. Um, So so the answer to your question is yes, they do kind of leverage the skill that Hecker has. Um, to their advantage, but it's also an interesting time to be asking that question because Matt Gay, who's been Mr. Reliable as their place kicker, is coming off the worst week of his career probably as a Ram. In the last two weeks, really, he's missed his first field goal of the season, his first extra point in two years with Los Angeles as their kicker, and he yanked two kickoffs out of bounds on Thursday Night Football in Seattle. So misery loves company, and I think there were 13 missed extra points across the league uh, last week, I guess it's contagious. Uh, the, the game between the Packers and the Bengals in particular was a disaster from a place-kicking standpoint in crunch time. 
So I guess we'll give Gay and the rest of the league's kickers a pass. But I think it's absolutely something to monitor this week because it it's the third phase, and it's one that the Rams used to leverage to their advantage but have not in the better part of a year and a half now. And here's where it plays out is offensively they're averaging 28 points per game, but their shortest touchdown drive of the season is 70 yards. Think about that. In five <laughs> games, they haven't scored a touchdown on a field shorter than 70 yards. It's, it defies logic. It defies the odds. So either their point production is going to start to come down because of this lack of field position, or they're due. And, and that's kind of where we started this conversation on offense. JB, speaking of trends, before we let you go, if you look at what they've done so far this season, their one mishap was to their divisional foe, the Arizona Cardinals. And looking back at that game, it seems as if turnovers really did them in because the two turnovers Arizona converted into touchdowns. When you look at that lone loss, if the Giants are to take anything away from that, was it gifts and field position that Arizona was able to capitalize on? Or is there something else the Cardinals did that nobody else was successful in accomplishing thus far this season? Well, there are a couple of elements that I would touch on. Yes, both turnovers led to 14 points. One was on a full field drive. Uh, the other was, was a gift, uh, a fumble by Sony Michelle on the first play of a new drive. So they were set up, you know, deep in Rams territory. Uh, the other thing I would say is Kyler Murray is, I mean, one of a kind. I mean, I, I know and have a lot of respect for Lamar and, you know, we see Russell Wilson twice per year and Daniel Jones is one of the fastest quarterbacks. I get it. But Kyler Murray picked up, I think, two third downs that were third and 16-plus, one purely scrambling, another extending a play in what should have been a a collapsing pocket and a sack and kind of just dishing to a receiver who moved the chains. And when you can keep the Rams' offense off the field like that, when you can make plays that defy odds and give you a chance to turn a punting situation or a turnover on offense into points and touchdowns instead – that got out of hand in a game that I think could have, you, you flip two or three plays, actually been a Rams win. And, and I'm sustaining that, but having watched the film, it's true. And that's how narrow the margin is for every team, but, but especially for the Rams. Sure, and the Giants know that firsthand, too, having lost two games on last-second field goals so far this season. He is J.B. Long, the radio play-by-play announcer of the L.A. Rams, as the Giants will host the Rams here in Week 6. J.B., can't thank you enough. We greatly appreciate the time and the insight and look forward to Sunday's game. Thanks again. Oh, thank you for putting me through my paces. I feel like I'm ready to call the game. (laughs) You got it. Our pleasure. We thank JB for joining us. Does a great job calling the Rams games out there in Los Angeles. We thank Paul and Lance for chipping in. Now let's get to the head coach of the New York Giants, Joe Judge. Bob Papa had a chance to talk to him. As always, we're joined by the head coach of the New York Giants, Joe Judge. Giants taking on the Rams. And, Coach, let's talk about the Rams' defense. Um, You know, this is a group led by Aaron Donald, but they're strong on the back end as well. As you study them on tape and look at them, what are some of the things that they do really well that you're going to have to be on your P's and Q's for? Well, it starts with their front. And this team's obviously very disruptive up front with Aaron Donald. You know, Leonard Floyd, they do a really, really good job. And they do a nice job of really moving those guys around. Mostly Donald, obviously. Floyd plays mostly on the right side. But they move Aaron around in those third-down situations, really go ahead and find the matchups for you. But really, it's about the penetration. And while they play some games and movement, it's really about these guys just getting off the ball and really mismatching the guy ahead of them. And everybody plays with a plan for Aaron Donald. You have to have one when you play him. I just say with a guy like that, he always knows there's a plan for him. He's still very, very productive. So you got to start with good fundamentals of how you play him. It seems like the guys who have struggled against this guy 
have a plan for them. They just don't execute good fundamentals. So our stress to our players week is we got to play the game the right way and win with technique. When you go back to last week's game, obviously um, there are things that you take out of the game that obviously have to get corrected, but then there's always positives. You know, you guys in that first half, you battled back, you got the game tied up at 10. Um, what were some of the selling points to your team as far as positive things that we could take from last week to this week and apply that? Well, I think it starts where we just talked about a second ago. First off, you know, obviously the Rams defensive front is one of the best in the league. And you look at the fronts we played the last two weeks between Dallas and the Saints, and they're also in that category, being very, very productive, very disruptive, you know, on third down situation pass rush. And we've gone on both games without any sacks. So we've been stressing the offensive line to keep playing as a unit, to keep playing very functionally, to keep making the right decisions, you know, as a quarterback, getting the ball out of our hands, giving the uh, skill players a chance to make plays in space. That's been something that's really worked for us positively. We got to keep making dirty runs when we get an opportunity to, and that's those, you know, dragging four yard runs and have a chance for some breakout ones off of those. But, those dirty runs set up the play action pass and set up the passing game down the field to make some chunk plays. So we got to stay committed to how we want to play right there. And defensively, obviously there's some things we have to improve this week. You know, last week wasn't good enough. It wasn't up to our standard. However, there's some good things that show up with some of the young players that are emerging, some guys in different roles. Tate Crowder has really, you know, developed a lot of experience as that signal caller, picking up for Blake in there. That's something he's continue to improve on and put our guys in the right position to make plays. You know, the kicking game, you know, last week was a week where we didn't have too many opportunities to make a play, but I've seen a lot of progress from that unit. And, you know, in this game, we got to play alert against a very aggressive unit with very talented specialists and be able to make plays when they come our way. Coach, um, Matthew Stafford, he's been a, a very good quarterback in this league for a long time. Um, obviously, playing with the Lions, he hasn't had the success, but now we're seeing it. They take deep shots. Um, they've got a lot of great skill position guys on the outside. Just talk about schematically – ways that Sean McVay wants to attack you and the fact that you played against him last year, does that help in the preparation? I think what it helps in the preparation is there's a lot of the same players on that team and we have, so we can look at the individual matchups with maybe things we did well or not, you know, effectively enough that we have to make sure we plan on going to this game. But, you know, schematically with Sean, it really all starts with the run. You know, you look at the statistics and the records of when they win the first half rushing, when they win the rushing battle going over 110 yards, how different that is when they don't win those metrics. You know, they really want to get the run game going early because that sets up all their shots going downfield. The other thing with those guys is tempo. And Stafford's very, you know, capable of running tempo because very intelligent. He gets to the line. They get you kind of playing with their multiples and guessing. And he's got a really strong, accurate arm that can push the ball down the field. So, you know, it's playing fast. It's really run the ball effectively. And that sets up the play-action shots. And then eventually they do a lot of things out of empty. And that creates really more of those one-on-one matchups. And that's where you really see Cooper Cup really, you know, excel you know in those little routes over the middle those choice routes option routes on the outside are really stretching with those deep overs and this guy's you know obviously one of the top targeted players in the nfl for a reason very effective uh, he's very talented you know they have a lot of other weapons as well you can't forget about coach um just kind of in wrapping up talking with uh several of your players this week everybody has talked about the positive I attitude i mean i know nobody wants to be where you are record wise but some of the guys are saying that, you know, when you're in our locker room, when you're at our practices, when you're in the cafeteria, when guys are hanging, everybody's like all in on this stuff. What, what are some of the things that you've been able to do as the head coach and as a staff to keep these guys in the right frame of mind? Because they have an extremely positive attitude. I think it's always about being honest with each other. And you got to be honest when things aren't going well. And you have to address what has to be corrected. But you also have to be honest about things that are going well, you have to build on. And I say it all the time, but after a win or a loss, you got to come in 
turn the tape on and share the truth that's on the tape with the players, things you did well and things you have to correct. And when you watch enough of the tape, you can really see, all right, what do we have to correct and go forward with? And what are we really as a team? Okay, where can we be as a team? So, look, there's a lot of noise on the outside. There's a lot of things that, you know, create doom and gloom. They have to know when they come in the building, it's about us operating as a team, preparing the right way, sticking to the process, and putting ourselves in chance to have success. And, look, there's been a number of games that could have gone the other way, but that's because we didn't make the plays when they counted. We have to understand what's going to take for us to make the plays and make sure we execute in those situations. That's Giants head coach Joe Judge. We thank him for joining us on the Giants Little Podcast, along with J.B. Long and Lorenzo Carter. Giant fans, you can take in all the action of Giants football from your very own private suite. Giants suites are a great way to entertain your family and friends while rooting on the Giants right here at MetLife Stadium. Speak with the Giants suite rep now by calling 888-NYG-1925. That's the Giants Huddle Podcast today. Hope you enjoyed this in-depth preview of Giants and Rams. It'll be a tough game. Rams, one of the best teams in the NFC. We look forward to seeing the game and hopefully seeing you out there at MetLife Stadium on Sunday. You can find the Giants Huddle Podcast on the Giants mobile app at Giants.com slash podcast and your favorite podcast platforms. I'm John Schmelk. We thank everybody for being part of the podcast. We'll see you next time.